Well, good morning, Reach Life family. Welcome to Reach Life Church Online. Thanks for joining us again on a Sunday morning where we can get together and have a message. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and I plan to zero in on verse 12 this morning. But before we do that, I have one quick announcement. Earlier this week, you should have received an email that lets you know that next week, which is Resurrection Sunday, we're not going to be able to get together again uh, because of, of everything that's going on. But we would like to have communion together online. And so what we're asking everybody to, to do that wants to participate in communion is that while you're out doing your grocery shopping this week, that you would pick up some grape juice and some bread. So if you, if you have access to some unleavened bread, that's great. But if not, you can get crackers or any other type of bread. But we want to make sure that everybody who wants to do communion next week online is prepared to do that. So what I wanted to do was uh, share that with you so that this week when you're out doing your grocery shopping, you can pick up those elements. Now, before we get into our message today, we have a special family that has uh, recorded their, the, uh, the scripture that I'm going to be preaching from this morning. It's the King family. They are going to be reciting for us the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer. Hey, Reach Life fam from the Kings. We are wanted to just take a moment and say good morning to you guys and hello. And um, we have definitely missed you guys over the last few weeks. And we look forward to gathering again in the future uh, in the Lord's timing at some point. But for now, we are grateful to be a part of a church like you who um, are able to communicate via text message and email and Zoom and things like that. We are grateful to have been in touch with you guys um, for sure. And so we just wanted to take a moment and our kids wanted to recite the Lord's Prayer for you. Um, before we get into the sermon. So, you ready, guys? Okay. All right. Our, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right, guys, we hope that gives you a little bit of encouragement for today. And uh, we just wanted to say one more thing real quick. Happy Palm Sunday. These guys made awesome. We're going to, there we go. Happy Palm Sunday. We love you guys. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye.
Well, you know, this morning when I went into my refrigerator, I was going to boil some eggs. A lot of times for breakfast, I will boil two eggs to eat. And when I went in there, I was surprised to find that the egg carton was this big. Normally, I, the carton at least is double this size and uh, has 12 eggs in it. And I was like, honey, what happened to the eggs? And she said, well, that's how they are at the grocery store right now. And so what, that, what this did was it reminded me of two things. Number one, it reminded me of the season that we are currently in. And number two, it reminded me of God's faithfulness to us, that he is continuing to provide for us, even when it's smaller packages. God is continuing to meet our daily bread. And you know, lately with the social distancing and with the stay home, stay safe mandate, I have been reminded of this game that I used to play years ago. Um, you may have played it too, but it goes something like this. If you were uh, on a deserted island, if you knew that you were going to be on a deserted island for an extended period of time, much like what we're in right now, uh, and you knew that you could only take five items, and you also knew that you could only take five or six people, what items would you take and what people would you invite to be with you on that island? And you know, this is an interesting exercise because if you if you do this rightly if you really tell the truth about what you would bring and who you would bring it it helps you discern what is important in your life and you know another interesting question that you can ask in this game is this if those five people knew that you wanted them to be with you on that island would they want to be there with you too that that really can reveal a lot about who you are and the relationship that you have with those people. And you know, in a lot of ways, um, I have felt like my family and I have kind of been on an island separated from everybody else because of, of all that's been going on with this pandemic. And it's been a very good time for us. We've been able to slow down. We've been able to spend more time together and have meaningful interactions. But you know, when you have meaningful interactions with real people, it can be challenging at times because you have real conversations and you can get really emotionally involved in those conversations. And it's, it's kind of like that when iron sharpens iron. But you know, during that time when the iron is sharpening iron, it can get hot. And sometimes we can be tempted in those moments, those heated moments, that if the question is asked, hey, if you could go to a deserted island, who would you bring with you? The answer in that moment would be, well, I would want to actually be there by myself. I would not want anyone to come with me. Just leave me alone. But you know, the problem with that is that God did not design us to live on a deserted island by ourselves. He created us intentionally to have meaningful uh, relationships with one another. And you know, being around people, and we need to be around people when we're able to. Uh, being around people brings drama, it brings conflict, and it brings issues that can make life more challenging, if you've, if you've ever paid attention to that. And it really doesn't matter always how deep that relationship is. It can be a shallow relationship, as shallow as the person who is at the drive-through. You know, you go and order, and the person at the drive-through messes up your order and forgets to put something in your bag like a, a straw or like fries and you don't realize it until you've driven away 
and you're in traffic and you have to make the decision, are you going to turn around and go get uh, the item that that person did not put in your bag? Or it can be more complex with like a best friend. Your best friend has lied to you, your best friend has talked about you behind your back, or your best friend has betrayed you. Or maybe your boss has been inappropriate with you. Or they have used you in order to advance their career and they left you behind. Or it could be a situation where you're in your family and that family member will not deal with a sin issue. They refuse to admit an area where they need to grow or change. Relationships, the point I want to make here is that real relationships have real conflicts. And if we are going to have lasting and meaningful God-glorifying relationships as disciples of Jesus, we're going to need to learn to walk in biblical forgiveness. And that's what that brings us to today's passage. It's uh, Matthew 6, verse 12. And this is the one verse in the Lord's Prayer or in the disciples' prayer that Jesus would never have prayed because he was perfect. He would never say, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And if you've been with us throughout this series, you know that Matthew 6 verses 9 through 13 is a model prayer that Jesus has given his disciples to pray, to learn how to pray. And in this prayer, he begins with God. Verses 9 and 10, he, he begins with the name of God. He moves to the glory of God. And then he moves next to the purpose of God, the kingdom of God. After that, he addresses us. We, man addresses, we address God from our side of things. And we move to our needs. Last week it was, give us today our daily bread. And today we're going to be looking at, give us forgiveness. And in two weeks, next week we're going to have a resurrection message by Terry uh, on, on the resurrection. But the week after that, I plan to come back and, and teach our final message on prayer, which is, our need for protection. And if you're taking notes this morning, I've just got two gospel truths that I want to draw from this passage that I believe will benefit us as we continue to grow and as we continue to seek to grow in prayer. And that first gospel truth that I want us to see from this passage is that we need to receive forgiveness. We need to receive forgiveness. Verse 12 says, forgive us our debts. Now it's interesting that Jesus uses the word debts. Forgive us our debts. And in Luke 11:4, which is a slightly more concise version of the disciples' prayer, Jesus actually says, and forgive us our sins. Instead of saying debt, he says sins. So what this shows us is that the word debt is a metaphor for sin. And the reason that sin is a debt is because every time you sin against God, every time you sin against someone or someone sins against you, it creates a debt that needs to be be paid. It creates a debt of broken fellowship. And in order for that fellowship, in order for that relationship to be mended, that debt needs to be paid. And when we look at the word sin, uh, sin is one of those words that is is pretty much obsolete in our culture. I want you to think about this. When was the last time you heard someone outside of the church say, you know, I have sinned or I'm a sinner. This is a a word that, that the world does not like to talk about. Usually you'll hear things like, I messed up. I made a mistake. I, I had poor judgment in this. But 
Rarely, if ever, does anyone want to say, I sinned. And yet, as disciples of Jesus, Jesus has taught us clearly to pray, forgive us our sins. And you know, the Greek word that's used for sin in Luke 11 is the Greek word ha-martia. It's a shooting term. It's, it's an archery term where that talks about missing the mark. It means to miss the mark or to err. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, for all have missed the mark and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, sin is falling short of or not achieving or not reaching the full potential that you have to glorify God. It's failing to be. It's failing to be all that God created us to be. And you know, sin sometimes is intentional and sometimes it is unintentional. Sometimes we intentionally transgress against God. We deliberately, knowingly disobey God. And then there's other times that we, we want to obey God. We want to hit the mark, but we fail to. And we can, we can relate to the Apostle Paul when he writes in Romans 7:15, For I do not understand my actions, for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing that I hate. And you know, when I look back over my life, uh, I'm aware that I could have been a, a better son, a kinder brother and classmate, a more diligent employee. And there are times that I have been a, neglect, an, a neglectful husband and a, and, a, and a neglectful father and pastor. And at times I have failed to hallow or to bring glory to the name of God. I have missed the mark. And you know, the truth is we all have missed the mark. And in doing so, when we've missed the mark, we have created this debt and we need God's forgiveness. And so what does it mean to forgive? Well, to forgive means to cancel a debt. Right now, you might be aware of how the U.S. government is working with banks to offer loans to businesses that can be forgiven if the businesses meet certain requirements. In other words, the banks will cancel the debt of the businesses. And you know, that is really good news. If you are in debt and your debt is canceled and paid for and you no longer have to pay it, that is such good news. And you know what the truth is? We are all in debt. We are all in debt to God because of our sin. But the good news is, is that Jesus has made a way for us to have our sins paid for, to have our debt paid for when he died for us on the cross. And if you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, his last words were, it is finished. And that is an accounting term that means paid in full. If you owe on a mortgage and you pay that final payment and it's paid off, you will receive your title in the mail and on that title will be stamped the words paid in full. And you know, the only reason that we are able to pray, forgive us our debt. The only reason we can pray that is because Jesus paid for our sins and now he extends forgiveness to all who meet certain requirements. And I want to be clear that forgiveness is not universal. It is not automatic. Everyone's sin is not automatically forgiven. It's paid for, but it's not 
forgiven. You must meet certain requirements. You must receive God's forgiveness. And the way that we do that is by acknowledging that we have a debt. Because of our sin, we have accrued a, a, a debt against God, and we need that debt to be forgiven. And so we come to God, we turn away from our sin, and we turn to God in faith and believe what Christ has done for us, that He has paid our debt. And when we, when we receive God's invitation in this, when we receive His forgiveness, our, re, our relationship is immediately changed. We go from being His enemy to becoming His son and His daughter. And that is why we are able to pray, Our Father in Heaven. And you know, when we pray, forgive us our debts. I want to make sure that we understand that this is a prayer of the children of God. This is a prayer of Jesus' disciples. It shows that we are going to continue to struggle with sin. Now, it does not mean that we have to get saved over and over again. If you are a child of God, if you are truly a child of God, you will always be a child of God. I have six children, and it doesn't matter where they go, it doesn't matter what they do, I will always be their father, and they will always be my children. Our relationship will never change. However, our fellowship can be broken if we sin against each other. And in order for our fellowship to be restored, the debtor, the one who sins, must turn from and acknowledge their sin. And so 1 John 1 9 says, if we, this is a prayer that was, I mean, a verse that was written to disciples. It says, if we confess our sin, he, speaking of God, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you know, the best example that I know of that shows how confession and repentance works is found in John 13, when Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples and he is washing their feet. And he comes to Peter. And what does Peter say? Verse 8, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. In verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean. Jesus is teaching that if you are a child of God, you are clean. But as we walk in this world, our feet get dirty and they need to be cleaned. Our fellowship, not our relationship, our fellowship gets broken. And in order for that to be restored, we need to confess our sin and to God and ask Him to forgive us. And our fellowship is then restored with God and with one another. So, number one, the first gospel truth that I want us to see is that we need to receive forgiveness. And then number two, we need to extend forgiveness to one another. And I want to be clear here that when we pray, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, we never extend forgiveness to God. That is so uh, ludicrous. God is perfect. He is sinless. He loves perfectly. He always does what's best for us. He never sins against us. We're the ones who sin, but we send 
sin against one another and against Him, and we need to extend and offer forgiveness, not to God, but to one another. And I don't know about you, but this is the hard part of this prayer because I, I love it. I love it when I get to be forgiven of my sins, when I have my debts uh, forgiven. But when I have to grant forgiveness to someone who has hurt me, who has wounded me, it can be difficult. And you know, I really don't want to make light of this. We all have been sinned against. We all have loved ones who have been sinned against and who have been hurt deeply and scarred by others. And you know, sometimes when we or the ones that we love are sinned against, our natural tendency, our natural response is to want to punish that person. We want to bring about swift and immediate judgment to that person. And I remember years ago that my wife, she's a professional photographer and she was doing a family shoot, a family photo shoot. And she came home from that photo shoot and she told me that the husband who had been at the shoot had been very extremely rude to her and had basically bullied her. He wouldn't have done that if I had been there. And, and I remember feeling this feeling that rose up within me. I wanted to make restitution for what had happened. But that feeling that I was feeling was a natural earthly reaction. It is not a kingdom response because God says to pray for your enemies. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. We are to love our enemies. And Jesus teaches us to forgive our debtors, forgive those who trespass against us. And so the question that I would have is, what does it look like? Biblically, what does it look like to forgive those who trespass against us? Well, I want to make sure that I'm clear that what it does not look like. It does not mean that you just simply forgive and forget. It doesn't mean that you develop some type of spiritual amnesia and that you can't remember what someone did to you. That's not uh, biblical forgiveness. And it's also not where we sweep whatever the person did under the rug without dealing with it. True biblical forgiveness requires that we address the issue. And Jesus teaches us this in Matthew 18, verse 15, when he says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So, you know, true forgiveness requires that the offended party go gently and humbly to the person that they feel has sinned against them. And I say uh, feel like they have sinned against them because it could be that the person really hasn't. So you want to go there asking questions. You want to reason frankly with that person. And if they have sinned and they acknowledge it and they turn from that sin and ask for your forgiveness, then Jesus says, cancel the debt. Forgive them. No longer hold that sin against the transgressor and never use it against that person again in future interactions. And you know what forgiveness is? Ultimately, it's about restoring broken relationships. If we're really walking in the spirit of Christ, what we want with forgiveness is that the person who has sinned will be restored in their fellowship with God and they will be restored with us. 
And you know, talking about forgiveness is a really, you know, it's really cool, it really sounds good, but to actually practice this, it can be very costly, it can be very difficult, and it can even seem impossible unless we remember how greatly we have sinned against God and how greatly He has forgiven us. Jesus talks about a, a parable that explains this. When It's a parable about a, a man who owed millions and millions of dollars to a king and he couldn't pay his debt. And so the king was going to take this man and his wife and his children and everything he had and sell it and throw him into prison until he could pay the debt. And so what does the man do? It says that he fell at, at, the, at the king's uh, feet and begged him, please give me time, I will pay off this debt. And it says that the king had pity for him. And instead of doing what he said he was going to do, he forgave the debt totally and completely. Now, this man that was forgiven went out and saw one of his own brothers who owed him a few dollars. And he said, pay me what you owe. And the man said, just give me a little bit of time. He said, no. And he began choking him and he threw him into prison. And what happens when the king finds out what he did? Well, in verse 32, Jesus says that the, that the king said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And look at verse 35. Jesus says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, I want to be clear here that Jesus is not teaching that in order for us to receive forgiveness, that we first have to forgive others. But rather, he is teaching that if you can't forgive your neighbor, there's something wrong. Number one, it could be, if you are truly a child of God, it could be that you have forgotten, you have forgotten all that you have been forgiven of by God. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you to go to God and ask Him to remind you of all that you have been forgiven of. That will free you to see that what, you're, what that person did to you is not nearly as great as what you have been forgiven of by God. And that will free you to forgive that person. Now, it could be that you really have never come to God. You've really never had your sins forgiven. And that, that means that you need to, before you can forgive someone, truly forgive them. You need to have your sins forgiven because the one who realizes, the one who realizes how much God has forgiven them will love much. Jesus says, he who has been forgiven little loves little. He who has been forgiven much loves much. And when you receive the love of God, when you realize how much you have been forgiven, it will free you to love someone who has sinned against you. You will see their trespass as it really is. And so the point I want to make here is that the key to giving forgiveness, the key to giving forgiveness is to truly receive it from God. And then you will be empowered to offer true forgiveness to others. And we need to be aware that uh, we deal with pride and we can think of ourselves 
to be better than we, we should. We can think more highly of ourselves than we should, and we can also look down on others. And pride has a way of producing blind spots in us, and it prevents us from seeing our need to receive forgiveness and to extend forgiveness. If we are going to grow in humility, if we are going to fight against pride, there's three things we need to do. Number one is that you need to realize, you need to realize that you have blind spots. You know what? A blind spot is something that you're not aware of, that you don't see, but I guarantee you this, your family sees your blind spots, your friends see your blind spots, and so do your coworkers, and they wish that you would see them too. So number one, you need to recognize that we all, you have blind spots. Number two, if you want to grow as a disciple in Christ, you need to determine in your heart that you want to be made aware of what those blind spots are. Now, this is extremely painful, but if we want to glorify God, we have got to deal with our sin. And so you have to determine, number two, you have to determine in your heart that you want to see those blind spots. And number three, I want to encourage you to invite others into your life to help you see that which, is made, which you cannot see. And the first person that you need to bring into this is God. You need to ask God, Lord, you know, I want to glorify you. I want to, to, to show the world what you look like and that you could live through me. But these blind spots, they are keeping me from doing that. So I ask that you would show me where my blind spots are and that you would give me the grace, the ability to work on these, to turn from this sin and to walk in repentance. Secondly, I want to encourage you to ask your closest friends, people that really love you, people that will tell you the truth even if it wounds you, people that you know are for you, that, that want you to do well, that want you to prosper. Ask them. You know, recently, uh, last week, I did something with my family that I haven't done in, in a long time. But I, we sat down in our living room and I said this, um, I want you all to tell me one area in my life where if I would grow in this area, it would totally change the way that we relate with each other. And I promise you this, if you tell me this, I am not going to defend myself and I am not going to argue with you about it. And so I took out my phone and I went around the room and everybody was able to give me something. And I, I will tell you this, it was not it was not fun, it was painful, um, but it was truthful. And so these are areas that I personally am seeking to grow in, and, and I wanna encourage us as a church to grow in these areas. And in closing, you know, the question I would ask is, what will, what will happen if we will all grow in humility before God and with, before God and before one another? What will it look like in our families? What will it look like in our friendships? What will it look like in our job place and in our church? If we will all seek to receive forgiveness, if we will seek to extend it. Well, I'll tell you what will happen. The name of God will be exalted and we will experience more and more of the kingdom of heaven now as it is in heaven. And as we continue to fight against sin, as we continue to confess our sins to one another and to God, 
we will begin to walk in better and tighter unity with one another and God will be glorified and we will be blessed as a church family. And you know, next week, as I said at the beginning of this message, we plan to take communion. And so I, I want to encourage you that this week you would prepare yourself for this, not just with the elements, but also with your relationship with God or your fellowship with God and your fellowship with one another. Is there anything that you are aware of right now between you and God, something, an area where God is calling you to confess and repent and to turn? I want to encourage you to deal with that this week. And also, is there any relationship that you have that as I have been preaching, you've been thinking, you know what? I'm not right with so-and-so. Um, I need to be forgiven or I need to extend forgiveness to this person. Is there a relationship that as far as it depends on you, that you need to make it right with that person? I want to encourage you to, to prepare your heart this week by going to that person so that on Sunday when we come together and we have communion together online, you will be able to do it uh, right, rightly and you will have nothing between you and God or your fellow brother or sister. And now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. May he equip you with everything good that you may do his will this week, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.